Hey, friends. Um, so um, when the preach team gets together and prays about what's ahead, um, we usually stop and really ask the Lord, where are you headed and what do you want us to do? And we kind of felt like August was meant to be a break from the Old Testament series we've been doing, right? And August kind of feels a little less, I don't know, intellectual, doesn't it? <laughs> if August was a person, they're kind of like the fun party people, don't you think? It's like, August. Um, so it's been really interesting to see what God has been doing. Uh, two weeks ago, Joe shared her story and what God was speaking last week. Kevin, if you guys did not hear those do yourself a huge boost and listen to them because God is weaving something together for us, okay? Um, the problem that I have with August is that it is almost fall. I don't, I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, oh, the football. So... Um, my, my ability, so I grew up in the tropics, you guys know that I'm from Australia, and my ability to live in Seattle, as much as I love the rain and I love the fall leaves, nine months of rain gets a little long-ish. So by the time we hit July and August, and we have these glorious summers, don't we? I mean, I've been to a lot of places in the world and I can tell you Seattle summers are the most glorious. They're not too hot. The sun is beautiful, we've got the water, the trees are green. You know, it's just magnificent here. But in July, it rained a lot. And I feel like, how am I going to get through? <laughs> Anyone else feeling that way? You're like, mm-mm, not enough sun. Anyway, um, what happens for me in August is that I start to look fall in the eyes. You know? And fall and I... Um, well, here's the thing. I'm reminded of the reality of my life because the sunshine goes away. <laughs> you can kind of pretend in the summer like, no, 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 everything's great. And then um, and there's something in my life that I'm really struggling with. Um, last week, um, Kevin stood behind the keyboard. Do you guys remember that? Who was here last week? Okay, Kevin stood beside, behind the keyboard and he talked about different um, oh, Kevin, the music terms, different chords. <laughs> I'm a piano player. I should be able to vocalize this, but <laughs> different chords feel different, right? So he played a major chord, and it feels very balanced and soothing and good, and then he played a minor chord, probably with a seventh in there because you're crazy, with a sixth, awesome. Um, and, and so it, it felt tense. There's a tension, but good songs do that right? Good songs go into a tense place, and then you never end a song on that chord. That's not where you leave it, because everyone's like, well, uh, what? <laughs> don't leave me hanging, and you resolve the song. And so when we're practicing for worship team, we say, what are we resolving this song on? Dun Back down, right? Back down to that major chord that brings peace. That illustration. He didn't know this. Last week, as soon as I heard him talking, I was like, that is this week's sermon. And he didn't know. And he felt like it was a word from the Lord. It wasn't even part of your sermon. And you felt like, I feel like this is for someone. Well, it was encouragement for me that I'd heard the Lord. <laughs> so thanks. Um, 
But I'm feeling that tension. And when I think about the fall, that tension starts to kind of layer upon layer for me. Um, And, you know, my tensions are my tensions and your tensions are your tensions. So don't feel... (laughs) I guess I'm a bit embarrassed, but I'm going to tell you what my tensions are, okay? Not because I want to whine about my life, but I want to illustrate something that's going to lead us through the whole sermon. So is that okay? So... Here's my life right now. Um, I have three kids, and um, that's a lot. And and it's just a lot of work, and there's just a level of tension taking care of humans and keeping them alive every day. Like, you can't be like, I'm just going to take a break. No, because you've got to keep them alive. Um, And and they need um, actual nutrition, which is like a whole other level of stress to, because nothing that is good for them looks or tastes good to them, right? So there's all of that, and um, meal planning is my nemesis, so there's that. And then, um, God help me, we are homeschooling our kids because our, our set of things that's going on with our kids right now, where we live, it, it just is the right thing for them. And have you ever done something for someone else that's good for them, but it's not necessarily good for you? So, um, but you know, we're, we're doing it, and I can do hard things. It's not a problem. But um, I have a middle schooler this year, and that kind of steps up the seriousness of it, and then an elementary, and then a pre-K. So that's what we're homeschooling the kids. And then um, I work. I'm part-time here at Lake Sam with adult discipleships, super excited. It's a passion of mine. Um, Building the church is a lifelong passion, and I'm so excited. Um, But I also have a side business because that's my generation. We diversify our incomes. Anyone else? You're like, side hustles because you gotta. And then um, my husband works full-time. He works in Federal Way. I work in Bellevue. We live down by Ikea. So that'll give you an idea where we live. Um, and so we're far from our central hub, and my kids have activities. Um, soccer I, takes up your whole life. I, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, what are we doing tonight, soccer? Was that a bright light all of a sudden? Can you see me better now? Because now I can't see you at all. So <laughs> Less pink? Good luck. I think pink is my color. <laughs> so I'm like... I am the pink crayon. That's my skin tone. Um, So, you know, all of these things are just stress upon stress. You know what I'm saying? Josh also has a side job. Um, If you're going to any of the concerts at the Puyallup Fair next month, he is on camera at most of those live events. He does live event um, production. So um, we're just busy. So every month I've got a five-person calendar and I have colored pens and I fill it all in and... It is a five-ring circus, and we are making it happen. Um, Also, money. Just add anyone else, like, money is a layer of tension in your life, the uncertainty of the future and today. Um, Laundry. There's a big level, that knot in my stomach, that, why, I have this nagging thing, what is it? It's laundry. And house cleaning and all the things. You guys, I'm just, I know this sounds silly. It's just the stage of life I'm in, right? Um, And then I have some chronic health issues that require that I need to care for my body specific ways, and I'm in treatments for that. And so that's a whole other 
layer of things. And then I'm passionate about serving in my church, so I volunteer. You know, I give my gifts to my church family and on worship team, and I volunteer to do graphic design, and anywhere else I can help because I believe in the church. And I believe with me here, I'm filling my destiny in the Lord, right? Um, And then I really have a passion to live in community. I do not believe in isolation. I believe that that is a trick of the enemy. And so I'm focused on sharing my life with people. But who has time for that? (laughs) Also, sometimes sleep is good, right? And really, the way I survive these layer upon layers of tension is 10 p.m. every night. My partner in crime, my husband Josh, one of us is in the kitchen getting chips and salsa. Does anyone else do the 10 p.m. salt binge? Yes. But don't be afraid of this because I follow it with chocolate. So anyone else? (laughs) Does anyone else do the salty sweet swing where you're like, yeah, the salt need is full, now ice cream. So, um, but seriously, Josh and I are looking into this fall and looking at all of the things on our plate saying something has to give. This is not going to happen. I don't know that I'm going to survive it. Do you know what I mean? It's just too much. My plate is too full, and it feels like the circumstances of my life are choking me. Um, How about you? What's your layers of tension? That sound in the song that needs resolve. Is your work stressing you out, or maybe you would love a job and don't have it, and that's stressing you out, or your career looks really uncertain and you don't know what to do? Or maybe you've got some family issues and it just keeps a knot in your stomach all the time because of the family stuff? A tension in your neck because of finances? Maybe there's someone in your life that's making your life extremely difficult and you just want to be done with it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what is your thing? Do you have any layers of tension? Maybe your kids are not doing good, or maybe your parents are not doing good. You know, there's just stuff. And we sung this morning that there's nothing greater than Jesus' name, right? That there's no power greater, and yet these tensions don't resolve. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't want to live this way, to be honest with you. (laughs) I want to live like this. I am standing in absolute stillness, silent before the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for him to rescue me. Only God is my savior, and he will not fail me. For he alone is my safe place. His wrap-around presence always protects me as my champion defender. There's no risk of failure with God. So why would I let worry paralyze me, even when troubles multiply around me? God's glory is all around me. His wrap-around presence is all I need. For the Lord is my savior, my hero, my life-giving strength. Join me, everyone. Trust only in God every moment. Tell him all your troubles and pour out your heart longings to him. Believe me when I tell you, he will help you. 
Before God, all the people of the earth, high or low, are like smoke that disappears, like a vapor that quickly vanishes away. Compared to God, they're nothing but vanity, nothing at all. The wealth of the world is nothing to God. So if your wealth increases, don't, don't be boastful or put your trust in your money. God said to me once and for all, all the strength and power you need flows from me. And again, I heard it clearly said, all the love you need is found in me. That's the feeling I want in my life. That stability, you know, that resolution feeling. I don't want this anxiety and stress to be my king. Do you know what I mean? But here I am, I'm feeling all this tension and I'm looking at fall and I'm saying, how do I get from here to there? How do I do that? Sheer willpower? I don't know. Look, I prayed about all of the things that are on my plate and I asked God, what should I let go? Tell me what to let go. And he said nothing. No, he didn't say nothing. He wasn't silent. He said, let nothing go. So the answer isn't to simplify my life. <laughs> that's not how you get to that. So that's what we're talking about today. Is that okay? We're going to talk about how to step into this next season of our lives like this, not like this. Is that okay? All right, Maureen Thatcher's praying. Oh, I love you so much. Maureen, would you mind praying for kids today as well? They're at camp, and they are experiencing the presence of God, and it is exciting. Thank you. Father, thank you for Justine today. Thank you for her life, her heart, the way that she communicates as, as no one else does around these parts. Lord, thank you for the thing that you have birthed in her. Lord, I pray that she would, as she brings that to us today, that you'd bless her. Bless her for sharing it. Bless us for being able to hear it. And Lord, I pray that this thing would grow roots, that it would grow deep in our hearts here. Lord, we look forward with excitement that you're going to do some changes in hearts here. Lord, thank you for every child in this building. Thank you that they are being taught by people who love them and have a heart for them. Lord, I pray that their hearts would be refreshed and renewed. Lord, that you would speak sweet things to our children's hearts. Lord, help them to grow to be strong believers in you. Lord, uh, the world changes a lot, and uh, this is another generation that you're bringing up to be your face and your hands in our community. Lord, I would also pray for the church here in Bellevue. Lord, next weekend when um, everybody gets together, Lord, I pray that there would be such a sense of unity and joy and fellowship, all the churches in one area. Lord, I thank you for um, how often this has been happening in the last few years and what a blessing it has been for us to just look around and see how many of us there are. Lord, you're a great God. We thank you for all the things that you're doing. And Lord, I'm excited about today. Can't wait to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name. Amen, Jesus. So a couple of weeks ago, we went camping. 
This is our camping crew. We call it Camp Carpmore, Carpenters and Morrises. This is our second annual fiasco. And um, uh, so you can see the kids are having the times of their lives. My face is half off the screen because I am still half asleep. Um, I know some people really love camping. I do not. I can say with full passion that I hate camping. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't understand it. So, you know, we were at um, Kitsap, and it was gorgeous. This was our sunset. So beautiful. But you know what happens after this sunset? You crawl into a tent. <laughs> and you try to sleep on the ground. And I was tossing and turning, and I said to Josh, now, I will say, Josh has purchased a special air mattress for us that's made of non-toxic non plastics, because the smell, anyway, it's part of my health stuff. So, I mean, he has gone to the nth degree to make camping easy for me, which is so sweet, right? Is it? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I was saying to him, I'm tossing and turning. Also, side note, I don't know what the deal was with our camp, right, Joy? But hundreds of little black caterpillars landing on our tent all night long. It was kind of like that sweet sound of rain, except it was bugs. So, um, <laughs> right? It was, anyway. Uh, so I'm tossing and turning, and I said to Josh, babe, I am not sleeping. I gotta get some sleep. Like, this is not okay. And he goes, oh, honey, nobody sleeps the first night. And I was like, I actually said an expletive, so I will reword it for this morning. I was like, that is crap. Like, I don't know why we're here. <laughs> I don't get it. And then the next morning, I'm telling Joy, and she goes, well, you know what the key is? To camp at least three nights, because on the third night, you sleep from exhaustion. <laughs> oh, excellent. Sign me up. Like, what? <laughs> and you're just always dirty. And you know what? I have a bed at my house, and it's comfortable. Oh, it's so comfortable. And guess what else I have? A toilet right by my bedroom. I only have to share it with five people, not 80 other strangers that I've never met at 2 a.m. standing in line because a stranger is coming out of the camping bathroom. Zach, you're looking at me like it's nuts. Why would I do this? You use a tree. Good for you. Excellent. <laughs> there were too many bugs in my tree. Anyway, Josh says, so if you were to ask Josh, he will tell you that he doesn't actually like camping either. However, he has so many great memories from being a kid and camping with his family, and he just wants to give that to his kids. And you know what? I'm so... Great, make memories, but I think we could make memories at a hotel just fine. <laughs> like, I, do you know what I'm saying? I feel like we're glorifying camping for no reason. That's how I feel, Maureen. <laughs> uh, also, I can do hard things. I don't want you to think like I'm a total prissy, um, because I've slept on the floor in Africa in a community that we were investing in. We were there to bless and encourage them, and it was phenomenal, and I spent three weeks in Africa doing that. I've slept in an active war zone on the Thai-Burmese border on a bamboo floor. 
I can do hard things, guys. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? But that was necessary for the mission, for the season. It is not necessary to use, do you know what I'm saying? I'm just, <laughs> look, this is who I am. If you give, <laughs> Camp Cartmore could be Hotel Cartmore. I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Adam's on this, you, you're with me, right, Adam? I know. You're right. Joy, why do you love camping? You're in the hotel industry. We could be going for cheap? What just happened? Oh, now I'm even more mad. So anyway, if you give me the choice between hardship and comfort, I'm going to go with comfort. Guys, I'm just not stupid. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Oh, go the easy way or the hard way? Let me think. Easy. I understand. So my husband is probably like most of you, where you're like, no, give me the hard way because I am a champion of all the things and I'm going to do it. I see you, Joel Pelly. You like to do those crazy things. It's not called mudder. What do you do? Obstacle course racing. Yes! It's not for me. <laughs> and this is, not, this is not just a weird example for no reason. This is an illustration of my spiritual life. So if God comes and says, I have a lesson for you, would you like it the easy way or the hard way? Easy. Anyone else? Who else would be like, you know what, Father God, give me the hardest way possible. Like, no, come on. <laughs> Zach, you're like, he just does. <laughs> he just does. <laughs> oh, man. So when we were praying about this August series, so it's um, Kurt, Kevin, and I are the current preach team, and we were praying like, Father, what do you want to do? And Kurt was like, look, I really feel like Joe has a word from the Lord, and I think she's supposed to take the first week. And then we're praying, and Kevin's like, you know what, I think I'm supposed to take the second week, and here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. And then I said, I absolutely do not want to take the third week. Right, Kevin? I was like, absolutely, I do not want to do this, but I have a picture from the Lord that I think might help us guide to work out who's supposed to speak. And so I shared that picture with the Lord, and Kurt was like, signing you up. And I was like, no, no. I don't want to preach this message because I feel like I've preached this message a lot and I would like a new happy topic. Do you know? Yeah, so I fought it and Kurt, as he does, said, will you pray about it? I was like, uh-huh, I'll pray. But I actually did pray. <laughs> and then my friend Darcy messaged me. And she said, I just pulled out my Bible and my notes from your sermon from 7-17-2011. Wow, that was a long time ago, but it was such a powerful sermon. It was called Wilderness, Good or Bad. I'm going to review the scriptures I was able to take note from that morning. I think you should do this sermon again. Maybe on 7-17-2019. Thanks, Darcy. <laughs> anyway, she's like, love you. And anyway... I got that message and I was like, well, that would be pretty good confirmation that I'm supposed to talk about wilderness again. And I don't want to because it's hard. But here's the picture I saw. I saw a desert, um, a wilderness, you know, dry, 
little um, like sage-coloured tufts of greenery, but nothing major, okay, very desolate. And then I saw this full stream coming towards me of water and it was clear and it was clean and it was fresh and it just was this like amazing stream and I looked around and there was nobody to drink it, no one. And then I saw on this other end of the wilderness a road and it had um, luxury tour buses you know what I'm talking about? Shiny ones, red and blue and tinted windows, and they were zooming through the desert just as fast as you can go. And there were a lot of them. And inside, the buses were full. And they were eating snacks and watching a movie, and the shades were pulled down. And they were on their way to a big destination, a big destination that they'd signed up for. This big destination is where they believed all the answers to their problems existed. If they could just get through this stupid desert. And I felt our Father God say, but I'm not at that big destination. I'm right here in the desert. And I saw it so clearly. Those are buses of avoidance. They're buses of self-solutions, you know? They're buses of late-night chips and salsa. (laughs) They're our coping mechanisms because we want to avoid that pain as much as possible. And the wilderness represents the tensions and the trials and the difficult things in our lives that we can't bear anymore. And we're just asking the Lord, would you resolve this? I can't stand up under the weight of this anymore. I can't handle going to work and seeing that horrible person every day. God, set me free. And we can't endure it. And so we get on a bus thinking we can shortcut the process. Um. Yeah, the bus isn't even going where God is going. That's the problem. It's not a shortcut at all. So it reminds me of Israel leaving the promised land. And if, you know, I've, I've said this before. If I was an Israelite or if I was God or if I had like any kind of power in the situation, I would say I'm bringing my children out of slavery of Egypt and hey, presto, I'm the God of all things Here's your house in the promised land. Because that's happened. There are other passages where people were in one place and God instantly transported them to another place. It's not sci-fi, people. It's happened. God can do that. He could have mercifully pulled his people out of Egypt, hugged them, and put them in the promised land right away. But what did he do instead? A 40-year camping trip. It's horrifying. (laughs) Isn't it? That's a lot of years to camp. It's more than three nights. At least they'd be sleeping. Um, (laughs) So why? We know, right? 
Why did God take Israel through the wilderness? Why? Tell me. Uh, as a punishment because they were grumbling. But did they grumble the first day? I'm just wondering, was it always a punishment? To teach him how to be his people because he couldn't have taught them instantly? I'm just wondering, they didn't want it? Yes. To, to trust him? Yeah, because honestly, and you guys are right, I'm pushing back a little bit, but you're right in what you're saying. They didn't know him. They had been in Egypt. They did not know God, right? Um, hey, I pulled you out. Cool, who are you? <laughs> We're supposed to follow you how? We don't even know who you are, right? So yes, trust, follow, yes. Yes, to get a relationship. And come on, we understand human relationships. We see this happen. Relationships take time. You know? So I get that. I get that. But 40 years is a long time. I don't know. Josh and I were together for like five months before we got married. Five months in the wilderness. Couldn't that have worked out? I don't advise it, by the way. It's just what happened to us. Yeah, no, you guys are right. Um, it was to know him, to trust him, to be transformed. And you guys, um, Jenny's right in that there was some punishment involved in being in the wilderness, but I want to frame this really carefully for us. Um, God took them the long way through the wilderness. Exodus is really clear about this. There was a shorter route, but in his mercy... He took them into the long wilderness. It was a mercy because they weren't ready to battle what was on the short route. So sometimes when God leads us into the wilderness, it is not punishment. It's not because you're not good enough or Christian enough or pleased God enough that you have hardship in your life. That is a lie. It's because of his mercy. He's leading you somewhere. He was taking them to the promised land and he was remaking them as they went. You know what I'm saying? He's taking and he's remaking. It's this extraordinary process. And for us on this earth life, this planet that we're living, this is wilderness. Because our promised land is eternity with him. Now, let's just run through this real quick theologically so we really know this like firmly so there's no questions about it. There are tenses of salvation. We were saved. When, when you say yes to Jesus and he is your savior, you are saved and it is done and it is complete, right? Saved. But we are being saved. We're being transformed into his image. Day by day, I am saved. I am sanctified. I am saved. So the first one was salvation. This one is sanctification. And the future tense is we will be saved. Glorification. We will be saved from this planet and we will go to eternity with him. So the, the Egypt to promised land journey is this beautiful illustration of our very lives. And so as much as we can taste the goodness of God in the wilderness, we are not in the promised land here yet. We can absolutely walk in some of the promises and experience his goodness. But you know what I'm saying? This earth life is wilderness. 
and there are no buses involved. <laughs> also, as I think it was Jenny and someone else pointed out, they didn't accept the lesson. They got to see these incredible displays of God's power and majesty and provision and goodness and strength and protection. And they were like, no, eh, we don't like it. It doesn't taste good. You know what was great in Egypt? The cucumbers. My favorite passage. Numbers 11. It's ridiculous. You know what was great in Egypt? I mean, slavery, whatever. But you know what? They had fish. We like fish. And God is pouring out provision for them, and they're not wanting it at all. And what happens, you guys? They get to the promised land. Twelve, I'm like about to break out in song. Twelve spies were sent to Canaan. Anyone else? Do you not know this song? Is it just me? Okay. Twelve spies were sent to Canaan. Ten were bad, and two were good. What did they see when they went to Canaan? Anyway, they saw, they saw giant grapes and, 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 and a land flowing with milk and honey. The two guys were like, you guys are not going to believe the size of these grapes. And the 10 guys were like, and the giants who carry them around. You know, like there was a problem with the promised land. It was already being lived in. And they had to battle to take the promised land. And they were like, I'm out. <laughs> Peace out. God, I do not want to do this. And then, what did the wilderness become for them? Punishment. Because they never trusted him fully. After 40 years, they never trusted him fully. And that is a giant warning for us. <laughs> oh, man. Get good at this wilderness thing. Get good at trusting him. I don't want to be like that. I want to see the grapes. I don't want to see the giants, right? I can't believe you guys don't know that song. <laughs> no one? You do? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. There are three of us. We'll sing it together later. It'll be great. <laughs> anyway, um, Eric, will you come on up? This is my friend Eric. He's beloved part of our church family. And um, Eric is a crazy man because uh, he does, he sleeps outside for the fun of it. And I don't understand. Voluntarily. <laughs> is it the kind of hiker that you are, does it have a special name? Um, I'm into long distance hiking, which is like a super specialized niche inside of a already specialized niche. Yes. So cool. <laughs> so last week, Eric and I were talking about his summer hike that he just did. So Eric has hiked the whole Pacific Crest Trail, which is from, is it border to border? Yeah, from Mexico to Canada. Uh, and I've talked about it before in uh, times when, when I've uh, preached in the past, but it's, the whole trail is 2,650 miles long and I have hiked the whole thing over many years, it was 17 years actually. Um, and now you're re-hiking parts of it because you love it so much? Yeah. <laughs> Also, aren't you on a team that goes and hikes parts of it and then tells the forestry service what needs to be fixed? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm part of a maintenance crew that uh, helps maintain the trail here in Washington. So, yeah, we do scouting, we do uh, cutting logs and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so, I'm so impressed, but I'm also like, 
You're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) A a little bit, yeah. Okay, so tell us about what happened this summer. Yeah, so as Justine said, I was uh, hiking uh, parts of Washington again because it's been a long time since I've done that. And Washington is a beautiful state. It has some of the best parts of the trail of, out of the, the whole experience from Mexico to Canada. But uh, in southern Washington, where I was, I was hiking from the Columbia River, from the you know, Oregon-Washington border, up to Snoqualmie Pass. And this was in July. As you mentioned, it was raining a lot in July. Yeah, it rained for three days of the 10 that I was out there. Um, there are parts of the trail in southern Washington which are not very interesting. Uh, in particular, there's a section that starts just north of Mount Adams, and it goes up to the next interesting place, which is the Goat Rocks Wilderness. But in between, the trail is just going from point A to point B. There is nothing interesting about that section of trail. Uh, it's like going this, through. Right? Um, yeah, it, it looks kind of like that. It's going through this scrubby. Uh, forest, which has been logged and the trees are starting to grow up again. It's flat, so there's no interesting views to to be seen. The trees are just big enough that you can't actually see anything. You feel enclosed, but they're not big enough to actually be interesting. And it was occasionally raining, and there were bugs. There were lots and lots of bugs. And This is actually not my picture because, as it turns out, I didn't take any pictures because it wasn't interesting. I was not having a fun time. Uh, You can gauge my mental attitude just by looking at how many pictures I take each day. And on this particular day, there were zero pictures. So how many days and nights did it take you to get through that section? Mosquito forest, we'll call it. um, that That was about a day. Okay. Yeah. And the... Uh, it was about a 20-mile section where it was the, this, this mosquito-ridden forest. That's right, 20 miles in a day. You heard yeah. it right. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, it, it was split up. We, we had to camp halfway through, and we camped in a gravel parking lot beside a logging road, which was about as awesome as it sounds. Anyway, <laughs> I get to the point of the story that yeah. Justine asked me to, uh, to talk about. So... We woke up in this gravel parking lot, and we started hiking in the morning, and as I said, it's, it's not an interesting trail, and there's these, uh, all these mosquitoes, and it turns out mosquitoes can fly at about 2.8 miles an hour. So if you can walk faster than that, say three miles an hour, then you can start to stay ahead of them. So you're walking along, three miles an hour is a pretty good clip, and you look around behind you, and you see this cloud <laughs> approaching. So you don't dare stop. <laughs> Okay, you can't Sounds like so awesome. Yeah, you yeah. can't you can't stop <laughs> to catch your breath. You have to keep marching along. Uh, but after about 10 miles of that, uh, we're really tired. I, I had hooked up with some friends that I met on the trail, and we were hiking together. But uh, we we were really tired. We needed a break. We needed to eat, and but we're in the middle of this this viewless forest, and so eventually we just had to stop. So we sat down, and we have the mosquito nets on, and we're trying to eat by slipping food, you know, under the nets and, and, and not let the bugs get in there. And we're swatting, uh, you know, five or six at a time on, on our legs. And, uh, and it's, it's hot, and we have to be all covered up. And at one point, I looked at 
my friends, the people that I was hiking with, I said, you know, I don't actually have to be here. I, I'm actually taking vacation time away from work to be here right now. I could be in my office, my air-conditioned office, and I could have a warm cup of coffee in my hand, and I could be sitting in my office chair, relaxing. And they looked at me, and they just said, huh, but yet, here you are. Because you, this is not a feeling you have when you're hiking, that you no. long to be at home in your office. No, no. Not, not often, yeah. not often. But I was definitely having it there. And when they said, but here you are, I actually had a moment of kind of, of self-reflection of, wow, yeah, I am, I am here, and this is terrible. <laughs> so why am I here? And it was, it was actually a bit of an epiphany for me because I knew why I was there because I was hiking to the uh, to the next interesting place on the trail, Goat Rocks Wilderness. I had been there once before. And I, I had this picture in my mind of how glorious it was going to be later, but you can't drive there. You can't drive to the top of the Goat Rocks Wilderness and see the views that are there. You have to walk there. And even if you could drive there, like I've, I've driven up to Mount Rainier, and there's a, a couple places on Rainier where you can drive up to, you know, Sunrise or Paradise. And, yeah, it's beautiful. But it's not quite the same. You don't have the same experience in your heart as if you have fought to get there. And so you could uh, show the next, uh, you know, this is what I was trying to get to. And this is actually what I had the next day. And so when I got here, this is in the Goat Rocks Wilderness, and you have these amazing views and clouds and, and sunshine. And what and, mountain is that? Hmm? What mountain is that? That's Rainier in the distance there, yeah. That's what I was trying to get to. But when I was sitting in the middle of the mosquito-ridden forest, I was not here. This was still in the future. Thank you, Eric. Isn't this story great? Yeah. And isn't that such a perfect illustration for us? So this is what I feel like when he told me his story last week, there were some things that really stood out to me. One is there is no road to this place. And there is no bus going to where God wants to take you. Yes, there are times of mosquitoes. <laughs> But there are also times of tastes of heaven, mountains, oasis. You know what I'm saying? In real wilderness, there's a risk of death. Like you have bears sniffer, sniffing around at you at night when you're sleeping sometimes. Truth? It is that. Yes. There's a real risk of death in that wilderness. But there is not a risk of death in the wilderness God wants to take you on because it's where he wants to give you life. Here is the death that's involved in wilderness. It's death of self. And that's something we do want to die to. It kind of makes my heart cry a bit because I have walked through a lot with Jesus. 
a lot of mosquito forests and a lot of mountaintops. And yet here I am again with a new layer of things looking for a bus to ride on. And there are lots of parts of my life that are surrendered to the Lord fully and I'm definitely hand in hand with him in those. But I am still on this planet so I am still on a wilderness journey and so are you. There are some things in your life right now that you are unwilling to take his hand on. You would like the situation to disappear. You are using your force to try and get rid of it. You are eating chips and salsa to avoid it. I wish I had like a, um, instead of like binge, uh, um, stress eating, but like stress working out. Maybe that would be better. It's still a bust though, you guys, isn't it? It doesn't matter how healthy or unhealthy your stress release things are. It's still a bust. So whatever tension is grabbing you in the gut or cramping on your shoulders, that thing, that underlying just, God, save me, that is your wilderness. So practically, what does this look like? Because can I tell you the one thing I don't have time for right now is more time with God. Tell me, when will I do that? Even when I was doing this sermon run-through with Kurt, I, I said to him, you know what, Kurt? God never is calling for me to wipe his butt. And as I'm telling Kurt this story, my kid calls out, I kid you not, calls out from the bathroom, Mom, can you help me in the bathroom? And Kurt was like, no kidding. Like, it just happened. He could hear it. You know? He's not needing me to feed him all the time. He's not needing to talk about his stressful day at work. He's not wanting to snuggle on the couch and watch a movie with me. Do you, do you know what I mean? There are things in my life that are demanding my attention. He's not a boss with a, a deadline hanging over my head. Do you know what I mean? He's, not, he's none of those things, and so he doesn't get priority. And so if the answer to this situation is that I have to somehow find time to spend more time with God, I'm I'm like, just stick a fork in me. I'm done. Like, I can't. Do you know what I'm saying? Does anyone else feel that way? You're like, why is the answer always to spend more time with Jesus? It's adding to my attention. So you can see that this sermon is not just for you. I'm preaching it to myself, right? We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial God has provided for you, a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. So I don't need to carve out more time with God I need to, in the moment, in the midst of this tension, take a breath and say, I trust you. You are my hope. And then I keep going. Do you know what I mean? This is not about put everything on hold and go and take a little vacation so you and God can sort out your stuff. That's not real. (laughs) Who gets to do that? I mean, maybe in the future, but I don't get to do that right now. And I'm telling you, you don't need it. We don't need to escape from our problems in order to walk with him. Get it? That's bus thinking. 
God wants to talk to you about it in the middle. And the more we try to push it off, the more we were pushing away the presence of God in our lives. He is in the midst of that tension. Those rivers of living water are not flowing on the bus, they're flowing in the desert. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when you stand on the edge of the desert, that's where I am right now in this area of my life, and I look in and I go, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. But I take a step and I go, wow, I did it. (laughs) I did it. I took a step. And I hold his hand and then I take another step. Does that make sense? My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. This is the hope of our tension. This is the hope of our wilderness journey, not a bus. A bus won't take you there, right? This is our hope. So Kevin and Joe shared that Yahweh's good plan is not to immediately remove the tension and pain, and we've got to remember that. He's using all these things to draw us into a place of knowing him and trusting him if we will take it. (laughs) So circumstances aren't king of our lives anymore. So the stress of my fall is not the boss of me. Those circumstances are not going to change. There is nothing that is going to give. And so... Hand in hand with my Father God, I will walk through it, mosquitoes and all. I don't know where Yahweh is going to take me, but I want to go. So we're going to read through this Psalm 62 again. You can close your eyes, you can read along, whatever you want to do, but I want you to soak it in. Like just soak it in. And then we're going to pray, and I want you to ask the Lord, what part of my life is riding a bus right now? (laughs) What is the thing that's the tension in my gut that I'm not fully trusting you with yet? And ask him just to show you. And then would you picture yourself getting off the bus? You can leave the snacks behind because he has everything you need. He's fully stocked for the trip. And would you just take his hand and take a step off the edge into the wilderness? And then we're going to take communion together. Does that sound good? Okay. I am standing in absolute stillness, silent before the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for him to rescue me. Only God is my saviour and he will not fail me, for he alone is my safe place. His wraparound presence always protects me as my champion defender. There's no risk of failure with God. So why would I let worry paralyze me, even when troubles multiply around me? God's glory is all around me. His wraparound presence is all I need. For the Lord is my savior, my hero, and my life-giving strength. Join me, everyone. 
Trust only in God every moment. Tell him all your troubles. Pour out your heart longings to him. Believe me when I tell you, he will help you. Before God, all the people of the earth, high or low, are like smoke that disappears, like a vapor that quickly vanishes away. Compared to God, they're nothing but vanity, nothing at all. The wealth of the world is nothing to God, so if your wealth increases, don't be boastful or put your trust in money or a bus. God said to me once and for all, all the strength and power you need flows from me like rivers in the desert. And again, I heard it clearly said, all the love you need is found in me. Father, we stand on the edge of this wilderness, afraid. Will you show us, show me the parts of my life that are riding a bus? And then give me the courage to walk off it and take your hand. Take some time to pray, you guys. Reach down and grab your communion. We have this wild hope, you know, a hope in the wild that God is with us. And today is a, is a life-changing day, isn't it? as we step into the things God has for us. This is his body that was broken. Take it. And this is his blood that was poured out for you to give you a clean slate for the forgiveness of sins when you drink it, you're taking on the blood of Jesus, his courage for you to walk the life he's called you to. Drink it. And ushers, come forward.